curtain call for the next episode of the Perspectives on Performance podcast with Dr. Louise Marler. Louise interviews a cavalcade of fellow performers from all walks in this must-listen series for anyone wanting to enhance their presence or profile. Here's Louise. Jeff, uh, I am so excited um, to be here with you, you know, a real Las Vegas headliner. I mean, how fantastic is that? Um, you know, Jeff, you are a corporate event host and entertainer and a founder of Win Win, which is hospital performers. Um, we have met through Million Dollar Roundtable, where we should be in Arizona right now um, doing something exciting. But of course, we've all gone virtual. So we met virtual and I was speaking at that event and doing a masterclass and you're emceeing that event. So what a thrill um, to meet you. So it's 10 a.m. here in Melbourne and we're in stage four lockdown with coronavirus. You are 5 p.m. in Las Vegas. What is happening in Las Vegas? Well, Las Vegas, as you know, is always a crazy town. It's even a little weirder now. It just feels so strange because there's all these different types of energies, right? You have on the one hand, the energy of reinvention constantly. There's now, there's a football team, the NFL, Las Vegas Raiders are are starting to play, obviously with no fans, but there's new casinos that are still opening and still pushing forward with construction. And there's these conflicting and competing ideas of of people want to stay home, people want to go out. Uh, It's normally an international tourist destination. Now it's a much more local um, California, Nevada, Arizona, tourist destination. Are shows running? No. So no shows are running. Uh, no nightclubs are running. But the casinos themselves are almost all open at this point. Really? And with, yeah, different restaurants. And now they're trying to experiment with atmospheric entertainment, like lounge bands, and, oh. and just kind of bringing, bringing things back step by step. So it's a, it's a really tough time to be an entertainer. Sure. If you were in a in a, a large scale production show like a Circus Soleil, a Blue Man Group, I have a lot of friends who are aerialists and contortionists and jugglers, magicians, comedians, acrobats, and it, this this economic climate really benefits the entertainers who also have the business sense. Fortunately, I'm very grateful that I've I've always loved the business side of of what we do. And I say we, because I agree with you that we're, everyone's a performer. We're all performers, whether you're a, a, spe- a keynote speaker, an expert, if you're presenting at, at an event, at a conference, or a, whether you're doing a show at a performing arts center, it's all about the marketing, the branding, the implementation, the execution, the follow-up, building those relationships, not just with your audiences, but also with your clients. And I'd like to ask, how did Jeff Sevilico get to where he is now? What about <laughs> timeline? Oh, boy. Um, so, well, it all started back in uh, <laughs> 19, really, the early 1990s. I was chosen to be a volunteer by a street performer. And so we were visiting my brother, Gene, at Harvard. And Harvard Square is this area in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And at the time, it was kind of a mecca for street performers a really big hub, everybody from drummers on trash cans to magicians doing three card Monty and jugglers and everything else. And we were going to get ice cream and uh, we randomly stopped at this show and the performer chose me. Um, I was uh, about seven, eight years old and I did a little routine with spinning plates 
And it, that was the moment. I'm in front of all these people, the lights, the sound, the rush of the crowd, that thrill. Yeah. Yeah. It was overwhelming. And even as a kid, I just remember feeling that kind of sense like, ooh, I like this. I want more of this. Like Very quick, I'll just turbo. From, from seven years old, I did want to have my own show in Las Vegas since right. I was seven, eight years old. That was, that was the goal, which, yeah, looking back on it now, it's really interesting because it's a testament to the powerful brand of Las Vegas that even as a kid, I don't even know what that means, but I'm like, oh, I got to have a show. I got to have my own show in Vegas. And so I sold my little condo there and I packed up the car and I drove to, to, from Florida to Vegas um, to, to, to make it happen. And fortunately, I was able to do that. Um, and you know, I, I started, I got my own show. I started in 2009. I started doing spots on the strip and eventually got my own show and, um, did a decade on, on the strip. And to close the story here, I'll say that I reconnected with that street performer who actually chose me as a kid. I found him online. Yeah. Yeah. We had this really powerful exchange. Mm -hmm. Uh, we became friends and he actually came out. I, I flew him out and put him up at the Paris hotel in, in Vegas and he came out and we performed together for my final show. Uh, um, it, it was a, like a storybook ending. Oh, so. that really is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. So you never went through a music school or a theater school or anything like that. It was just do it, do it, do it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, okay. you know, it's funny. I, I literally just last night I'm talking to a friend who got a new job and she's working for the staffing company. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm doing all the, the modules, like, you know, on HR and all the training modules, you know. And I was like, oh, like, what's that like? She said, well, you know, and I'm like, no, I, I don't know. I literally have, I've only ever made money doing shows, right. performing. Like, since I was a kid, I've never worked for anyone else. And she, she was like, you know, like, wait, what? Like, you've never had, you know, a real job? And I yeah. said, no. I mean, even when I was, when I was 15, 16, I was working at theme parks doing, yeah. doing shows. And then I was working on cruise ships. And um, so, yeah, just uh, uh, 10,000 hours, right? Just constantly performing, trying to get better, and then learning the business side. I think you'd be fascinated to be in a corporate world because people are not engaging their performance skills. Mm. They're really struggling with how to do it. And one of the things that struck me in one of your videos was you were with um, children in a hospital and you have mm. a ball on the end of your foot and you're doing funny things with it and did it and they laughed. And you said as a sideline, yep, well, that was three months of my life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like practicing that ball trick to get it, you know, to get it right. And Exactly. I find is that people don't understand practice, mm. practice, 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 practice. You better practice. Right. right. Mm. Uh, even and now when I talk to potential clients in the cor in the corporate events space, mm. to to your point, they'll say, "Well, you know, how, how much is it for five minutes?" You know, if like I say, "Okay, here's my price for to do yeah, my yeah. show." And, oh, we just want something fun. It's like, well, I mean, the the re what you're really paying for, of course, is the value of all those years of practice and all of those shows that didn't go so well and I learned from them and all of those shows that did go well and I improved on them and yeah. and so it doesn't really matter I I don't personally I don't prorate my time it's like I'll I'm going to give you the, the day or the morning or whatever it is it doesn't matter if it's five minutes or, or an hour you're you're paying for the whole person the whole package and then that is only developed over years and years of hustle a lot of a lot of shows so some of the things that people who are trying to attract attention in a virtual environment, um, skills that we use, you know, I, I 
um, talk to people about a skill of movement followed by static to attract attention, you know, the contrast, mm. um, about uh, making a statement and finding spatial awareness, you know, back to the centre and the side, and they all mean different things, opening your arms to engage with people <laughs> and build trust. And yep. you know, when I watch your videos, all these skills are there, you know, you run out on stage and wow, and, uh, and you know, it, it's just great. Is there anything, people are very unaware of this, skills um any skills that you think of that you share with people in a corporate environment oh yeah and I, I this is a great time to say i thoroughly enjoyed your presentation because it's all these things like you're saying i, I don't as a former i don't think about them right but, right. This but is that's because i've learned on the job it. yeah but then you have all these people that, that you know you got the looking in i mean i can't i can't tell you how many times uh, I, I will introduce someone. Hey, this is your chairman of the board, yes. you know, and, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, Hey, thanks a lot, Jeff. You know, they're looking, they're looking off to the <laughs> side, they're looking down or, you know, and, and I just say, is it, did no one ever, did, is it, are they scared or are people who work for that person scared to say, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe you should look at the camera you know, or, or let's, let's try to, you really need to work on your framing here. So I, I love that you, you said that cause it's extremely, it's extremely needed. Um, today. So um, to answer your question, I mean, I, I would say the, the thing in live events that I've noticed is the, the constant pacing and movement. And I've had a problem or I have a challenge. I'll, I'll say it nicer. I, this has been a challenge for me <laughs> because I am so high energy and my visual is so intense. And I will say at times spazzy, right? I'm all over the place. But when you're verbal is that way too, it's really hard for people to follow. And so I've been told by some performers who I would, who I would acknowledge are better than me, who kind of give me advice like as mentors and would say the trick for you is to, to really kind of pick and choose your moments. Because if, you, if the audience is here and you come out like way above them, you're never going to get up. But if you if you come down a little bit enough, you can bring them up with you. That was something interesting because I used to just charge charge on stage like ah, we don't and and I wouldn't really take the time to take the temperature in the room. I still kind of break out and bust out in a big way to kind of change. I, I really like an energy shift, mm -hmm. um, and that's what I'll, I'll mention about the virtual connection is is that's really important. But live, I still do that first, but then I definitely kind of take a beat. Yes. Uh, when I'm doing my full comedy show, I have, I have one, I've kind of the first 12 minutes, which is like really high energy. I'm balancing a ladder on my chin, a 14 foot ladder. I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of really fast paced movements that really establish, okay, this guy's good. Like this guy has some serious skills. Then I bring it way down. And that's when I show pictures of me as a kid uh, doing shows in the kitchen with me and my grandmother. I show that street performer we talked about and I go way, way down, right? If I was going 85, I go down to like 10 and right. then I slowly build back up. Right. And that having those layers is so important. So yeah. I, I love when a client will let me do my thing and really kind of defer to me. And, and that does happen more and more now as I've been able to do more events and post these kind of these videos of these successful events. Cause the, a lot of times they'll say, Hey, what do you recommend? And I'll, I'll get into their show flow and right. I'll really become more of an event consultant because yeah. it's to your point, it's going to be a lot different if you have five winners than if you have 25 winners. 
And a lot of these multi-level marketing companies and a lot of these, these supplement companies, it's like, and now the double diamond, you know, dealio level two winners. And there's like 74 of them. And then there's, you know, uh, it, it's just so many. My, um, my, my friend calls it 88 keys. Like, you know, the piano has 88 keys. Like, don't just be up in the top octave for like the whole, the top register for the whole time. Like, you really have to use all the keys of the keyboard for your, with your energy and, and, and everything. Aware of energy flow in an engagement. Absolutely. How do you manage it, say, in awards evening when people are sitting in the audience and you say, and here is Michelle who has the award. And Michelle has the <laughs> strategy of, I need to relax, I need to take a deep breath, so they stand up, they take their time, and then they walk slowly to the stage. You know, and I'm like, do you not get right. it? You know, like, right. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Again, you know? Yep. One thing I really like to make sure I do for virtual events is shift the energy because people are so used to just sitting back and not engaging like, okay, maybe I'll turn my camera off, go check some emails, like flip my laundry. And so when I come up, on, come on stage, right, virtually, I really like to shift the energy and I can feel it. And I love it because people are like, oh, like crap, like, well, this is different. Like we got to pay attention to this one. You know, like you can kind of see, oh, like this guy isn't going to let us get away with just uh putting on the putting on the putting off the camera or just kind of turning things or just even kind of looking but not because i i really like to shift that energy um and and i like to kind of get interactive and, and call people out i'll spotlight somebody eating eating donuts and i'll say hey, come on frank put down the donuts like the break is in 10 minutes you know we've got one more great session and you kind of people see like oh like oh crap like he came into my room like no one's safe kind of thing um, because remember that comedy show you would work the room but now I feel like I have to work the Zoom. We're getting so just like glazed over with all these virtual uh, events. Like, oh, there's another two hour block here. So like, uh, just kind of melting <laughs> into the chair. So yeah. it's challenging. You know, so people are trying to incorporate a human, trying to engage, like you say, picking people out on the screen. I can see you here. I can see you there. Yeah. Um, and so a question here is how do you incorporate humor? Now that is a massive question, but it's a question that's been asked. Any, mm -hmm. any little tips there? Sure. So this was challenging for me because I have spent literally, as you know, as I gave the backstory, my entire life working on a comedy show that has some differences depending on the audience or the industry or the venue, but it's pretty much the same. Like mm -hmm. I have my, my 75 minute clean comedy show that I know is going to work from A to Z and it takes you on the ride. It makes you think it makes you laugh. It's, it's emotional, but it, it's feel good. It's, it's fun, safe, et cetera. So then all of a sudden now it's virtual and I realize, okay, out of about 75 minutes of that comedy material, I would say, honestly, like 10 of it works for virtual. Uh, and it's all of the, the material that doesn't require physical people to be with me. Yeah. I used to climb up, a couple guys to get on a big unicycle can't do that right that's not that's not funny now if i'm doing it in a studio with a couple of technicians because it just doesn't translate right um and so start, it's a it's a really good exercise i love jerry seinfeld and seinfeld talks about that a lot where he threw out all of his material and he's like in that movie comedian that documentary he says like okay i'm starting now i've got i've got 30 seconds like that's a great like opening bit right then he's got two minutes after a few weeks and then he's goes down the road and workshops and he's like up to five minutes and it's such a humbling it's such a humbling experience for someone on that level 
to have to say, okay, you know what? You're, we're starting, we're wiping the slate clean, like throw out all of your material that you know works. And now like, let's see how good you are. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's challenging because when you think about shared experience, comedy comes from shared experience, right? So like, you know, when I'm doing an event and let's say the ballroom is really far away from the hotel rooms, that's a really easy joke for me to make, right? There's some reference about that, right? So, Hey, how's everybody doing? Everybody got, um, checking my Fitbit, you know, I got my 47,000 steps in already and it's not even 8am, you know, because I took concourse B some shared experience, right. Or something that happens. Um, Hey, welcome to beautiful, sunny Florida. When it, if it's like middle of pouring run thunderstorms, you know, we've done things like that. You take whatever's around and what your, what your experience is and, and you make it fun. So for virtual now, what I've found is there's all this new shared experience. It's just like you were saying, people who don't know where the camera is, don't know how to frame themselves. You can't hear them. They're the lights streaming in behind them. So there's comedy opportunity there. And it's not, it's not me pulling people up on stage and juggling bowling balls with them like I would have. So now it's, hey, what's up with the guys and gals? who still haven't figured out how to do a zoom call. Like it's been, <laughs> it's been six months. Like you got to pass for the first two weeks, but now like you got to figure out where the camera is, bro. Right. I, That's now funny to people. I just did an interview before this with a lady from a, you know, a magazine or something. And she was over the screen like this, you know, oh, gosh. Part of her head. <laughs> and when we finished, I said, I'll oh, just, you know, if I may just do it. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. oh, really? Okay. If I may. Uh, <laughs> If I may, you look ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Collecting new ideas, being in the moment, um, you know, uh, um, and challenging yourself. You know, often uh, before you go on, you talk to people in the audience and you'll get something immediately so that when you go on, you mm-hmm. go, you know, I was just talking to Joan. And, you know, and yeah. using that material, just the, the skills of performance. And I'm finding that in the virtual world, we need them um, because this is hard. This is high energy. Look at the rate that you speak. You know, one of my clients said to me that she was offered the advice to leave silence for questions in your virtual call. And I'm like, ah, ah, no, no, no. <laughs> silence is not golden in the virtual <laughs> environment. You know? That's oh, funny. Oh, the yeah, mind leaving yeah. the mind. It's been really interesting to see. It's like, okay, so if everyone's kind of chopped at the knees and you can start clean, that's an that's a incredible opportunity. Because you still have all the experience and the skills that you had from your, your previous, you know, old normal life. But now it, it kind of, the playing field is pretty even. And that person who was going to be the obvious choice over you is no longer the obvious choice. Because now it's, it's, oh, well, but does she do virtual? Does, does he do virtual? How would this skill translate? Um, and so, you know, it just, just for one second – the hosting has kind of become a, a much bigger part yeah. for me with virtual. Mm. I used to do about, I would say, I would say 60 to 70% entertainment. You, you bring, you bring my Las Vegas show on the road to oh. your events, whether it's an incentive trip, right? We're all going to Panama city for this sales incentive and it's direct from Las Vegas on Tuesday night. I'm the big show, right? There was that. And then there was probably, you know, yeah. 20% hosting. And then what's, 70 plus 70 plus uh, 20 is 90, 10% keynotes, right? I, I would do kind of a custom entertainment based keynote uh, oftentimes as part of the hosting or something small, like a breakout or a workshop or something. But now I would say I haven't done one virtual entertainment show 
Uh, I have done these team building workshops where I entertain and I use my entertainment. But again, it's the packaging. It's the marketing because people don't have time or money for entertainment. How does Thanks. your approach differ uh, um, mm. from uh, going back to the stage, you know, when you have huge audiences versus when you're in a hospital and you're mm. one, one with one little child? Yeah. Oh, I love this question. Well, I would say I would call back to uh, a comment I made about coming where they are, coming, meeting the, meeting the, yeah. meeting the audience where they are. And I guess it's a better way to say that. Right. So again, I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any more uh, powerful example than walking into a hospital room. You don't know what just happened. What, you don't know if they just received bad news. You don't know if a family member had just been there or, or left, or you don't know anything about their personal situation. So it's very delicate. Um, so just like when you're live, it's ah, high energy. And then when you're on film or on camera, you know, you have to tone it down and every little, every little movement or nuance gets amplified by the camera. I would say same thing with, with a hospital. So you can't charge in, you know, like a barrel full of monkeys, you know, like I normally do. And that's been really, I think that's been really good for me. I think it's made me a much better performer because you really have to listen to to the audience and also there is no more i would say more blunt realization than it's not about you like a perspective than when you walk into a hospital room because you could say oh the ceiling's too low for this trick and you know and the angles i don't know if it's going to come off well and i really need four months it's like none of that matters it's all about having a moment with that person and what that person needs so in that sense, for your perspective as a performer, I think it's fantastic. And I, I say, like, but what, do you, what do you mean bottle flip? And he goes, here. And he, and he like puts his iPad and he's got the little water bottle with a little bit of it left and he flips it so it spins and it lands on, on the table. Have you ever seen anyone do this? So bottle flipping, like I, I, I didn't realize it was that big of a thing, but there's a ton of videos online of, of, of people like flipping, having records where they flip it and it spins with the, with the weight being all weird, right? It spins and lands. And so he's doing it and he's really awesome at it because obviously he's been practicing in his room with this little water bottle, just kind of killing the time. And I, I said, wow, like, that's awesome. Like, no, I've never tried that. And I said, can you teach me? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And so I said, okay, I need to get a bottle of water. So I ran to the kitchen and I got a bottle of water. And I was like, how much do I drink? The next literally 20, 30 minutes, it was me and this child, and he's teaching me how to bottle flip. I, you know, I've got like 20 plus years of performing experience. I can do all these amazing tricks. He didn't care. You know, he just wants to teach me. He's just to hang out with me, right? So again, about the perspective, I ended up doing all these flips, um, and eventually I got it. And he was like, "Yeah!" And I and I took my laptop and I was running around like dancing, you know, because I was happy that I that I did the spin and I, I landed it. And it was just so funny because here, again, here I am for the first 20 minutes or so, I'm doing all of this, you know, more impressive, more sophisticated performing. And at the end of the day, I'm sure that kid loved the second half even more, which was just engaging with him, which was just hanging out, spending time with him. That is a gorgeous story. Just try to make a connection with the the kid no matter what. Um, And I've seen some really powerful ones where, yeah, there's a, a magician named Moreau that I was on with. We often have many different performers on at once. And, you know, this girl had just had um, uh, a heart transplant, um, you know, and she picked the four of hearts because she said, hey, can you pick a card? And said four of hearts. He said, wow, like, 
what that's a that's kind of a random card. I say most people most like most little girls pick like the Queen of Diamonds or the Ace of Spades, and she said, "Well, I'm four, and I had uh, I have a new heart." So we're like, "Oh, you know, like it's such a powerful, such a powerful moment." Um, and so he was able to to use that and and kind of tie that in and say, you know, at the end of the trick and say, you know, this is magic, just like you. You know, you have a magical heart. You know, you're you're full of magic. Have you got any little trick that you can share with us that we could practice? <laughs> um oh, let's see uh oh you know what yeah do you mind uh, yeah one second i'm gonna grab a i'll grab a frying pan from the kitchen how's that all right uh so you know what i'm all about balancing balancing is a big part of what i do okay. so here's a, it's like a frying pan and uh, the reason uh i'll show you this here so, yeah all right i want to make sure that you can see this here and i'm on my knee so can you see that Oh yeah, right. The handle on your chin and, you, yeah. the, and the frying pan up vertically and you balance yeah, I'm, it. I'm backing up very slowly. <laughs> okay. so can, what if that goes wrong and preferably it's not a hot frying pan? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, great. The frying so pan trick. The reason the reason why I do that is because uh, when you balance, oh there you go, yeah, yeah. Well, so you when you find the balance. <laughs> That's, uh, wait, no. so Luis, that's actually harder. So the phone is more difficult right. because uh, when you have a, a longer object with a higher center of gravity at the oh, top, okay. it gives you time to kind of correct. Right. So, you know, so that's why um, a frying pan is actually a pretty good first object to learn okay. how to balance if, if you're frying so inclined. vertically on the chin. I'm <laughs> loving it. Jeff, is there, a, is there a message that Jeff would love to leave to the world? Woo! Woo! Well, so I would say this might be this might be a little a little general, but I, I feel like with with the creation of my nonprofit, we talked a fair amount about that. I feel like once I figured once I created that, I finally had had this. Um, I finally kind of had the perfect mix of what I'm good at and what I want to do. And there's kind of this overlap, right? Like there's I call that the sweet spot. Like you have your passions and then you have like what, what you, what you're, what you're good at. Right. And you have your passions and it, there's something really magical when those overlap yeah. in that, that space, because now I feel like I'm on a mission, right? So we have 25 programs nationwide. Now I want to have, I want to have, I have something called project 365, which is where every day of the year we have a different virtual show happening for a children's hospital somewhere all over the world, right? That's very doable. We have, we have, uh, you know, almost 12 shows a week now in different days. So, um, you know, I want to have programs all over the country uh, and then all over the world and just keep growing that. So I feel like when you have that, you have that alignment, again, it's easier to get up early in the morning. It's easier to jump on the, the, the call about this or that. It's easier to do the marketing newsletter because you're, you feel like you have this bigger sense to you because it's, it's bigger than yourself and you're creating this this uh, this network really this this um, living breathing organization that's gonna that's gonna go on way beyond you and it's gonna expand and impact people that you couldn't even have, have imagined and that's that's really special for me so I would I would my message would be to find that try to try to find that ah and this is something you could bring to Australian hospitals oh yeah yeah well, now well, virtually let me see virtually yes yeah. so yeah oh please yeah I mean that would be incredible. Uh, so this is again looking it's about seeing the pandemic as a opportunity as opposed to a challenge. 
So that's exactly what happened. We, we had nine programs in person uh, before. So we had uh, a couple hospitals in Vegas, two in Orlando, one in Minneapolis, one in New York, one in Phoenix, one in Orange County, uh, one in Reno. And then now we have 25. We have all of those virtually, but now we have an additional 14, and we're getting new hospitals every week because the access is, is there. Now a, any hospital can sign up and just offer, a, you know, we did a Zoom link, right, whether you're TV, an iPad, and any performer all over the world can now give back. So you don't have to be in, in Vegas for a corporate event and go to the hospital. Now you can be in Columbus, Ohio, and you can uh, Zoom in to a hospital in Reno. And that's, that's incredible, right? So I, I love it. I know we'll have contacts where this is going to be really relevant, something we can act on. I would love that. I would welcome that because I will tell you this, uh, Dr. Luis, no one says no, right? Because it's free. So the hospitals, right? Like anytime a hospital says, you know, hey, here's about us, they're like, oh my gosh, yes. Like we love that because there's no cost. There's no fee. We don't charge you anything. You don't have to do it. So what hospital isn't going to want the offer of free professional entertainment in rooms for their kids at hospitals? Um, and honestly, I found that performers don't really say no either because you say, hey, this is a really cool opportunity. Sign up for some visits. I've never had somebody say like, no, nah, it's okay. Everybody says, oh, this is really cool. Like, I'd love to. I mean, uh, which is nice. It's a nice a feeling too of just uh, they're great, good people in the world everywhere. I mean, performers are, are not selfish. They're very giving. And if you create something like this for them to jump in on and get involved with, they, they will and they have. Well, Jeff, let's get this out to the world. And tell me, how can people contact Jeff Civilico? Oh, all right. Well, so uh, probably the best way is either on social media, at Jeff Civilico. Uh, my name is a little tricky. Uh, it's uh, C-I-V-I-L-L-I-C-O. But it's Jeff Civilico. That's my website as well. You can email me through there, of course. Uh, winwinentertainment.org. That's our website. Uh, on our social media, it's Winwin Charity. Yep. Uh, so I would, I would love uh, anyone to, to contact and, and say hello. I would, uh, I would appreciate that very much. And I, I know that comments. And Thanks, a, what a joy and delight to, uh, to speak with you. I just honestly, what an honor. I was excited and now I'm even more excited and inspired. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, I have to tell you this before we go. So uh, I have family in Mitcham. The suburb of Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, and I've been there. So I, I did a year abroad at University of New South Wales in Sydney. And I went to Melbourne. And this is this is kind of a do we have a minute for this? Can I tell a yeah, quick yeah. story? Okay. So um uh this is this is I think this is pretty cool. So uh none of my family here in the US had ever visited or been to see our family in Australia and vice versa. No one from Australia had ever been to the US. So I was the first one of all these generations and it was a big deal for our family uh, that you know, Julia's grandson was, was going to be in, in Australia. So it was the most, I had the most amazing time in Melbourne, you know, family, it was this family, you don't know, it's very emotional. Um, you know, they took me in, they had a big block party uh, and all the cousins, we went out to uh, Star City Casino, um, we went out to the casino and had like a, a gr great night. And uh, it was just really a really fun experience. And now I have all these, uh, Australian cousins that I keep in touch with. Um, and that was back in 2004. And again, no one, no one has been there since and same thing, right. From Australia to here. So it was the one time that the, the families had, had met. 
And uh, so I just had an amazing time in, in Mitchum. I stayed there for a, a few weeks. Um, and I, I love, I love Melbourne. I love Australia. I, I'm dying to go back. I'm trying to get somebody to book me in Australia. So with kangaroos, 250 kangaroos. So you have to come and visit there next time you're back. I would love to. I would love to. Uh, love to see you here in Australia. And meanwhile, we're all virtual and you're right there and we can get in touch with you really easily. Uh, Absolutely. What a joy. Yeah, thank you so much. This is an honor. Thank you. And MDRT, I'll see you there on screen. That's right. All right. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. There's Louise. Thanks for listening. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the Pop Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Are you a keynote speaker? Need executive coaching or voice training? Contact Louise at louisemarla.com.au.